1: Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're well always and that uh, God is blessing you during this time of trial. Um, He allows trials only to bless us, beloved, only to bless us. He chastises those whom he loves. um, And um, uh, some of us individually may feel that we shouldn't be part of the chastisement, but in God's mind, beloved, we are all in the loins of Adam. And those who are in Christ, we are all in the lo- loins of Christ as well, the new Adam. Uh, and God uh, treats us as his body. We are the body of Christ. So individually, when one member sins, the whole body feels it. When one member does good, the whole body feels it. And God is treating us as he did the Israelites of old, as his people, as well as well he should, and and does, and so we've been looking at the Baltimore Catechism, uh, the difference between God and man, and uh, that God is the creator, we are the creature, and in what respect? This is so important for today. In what respect are all men equal? Um, and the answer is um, in whatever is necessary for their nature and end. They are all composed of a body and soul. They, man, uh, are all men equal. And again, we'll repeat the idea that um, the scriptures say that God made man. He created man and made man male and female. So mankind is a proper term. I know humankind is used today to accommodate um, a degradation of of uh, uh, how do I say not just of our language, but of our understanding? Um, but I, I don't like humankind. Um, it is mankind. It is what it's. It's God's words, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need to understand that we are men. We are men, and God has made men the human family, human uh, family, male and female. And so we're all equal, but we're equal in what is necessary for our nature and end, our end to know and to love and to serve God. Uh, They, men, are all composed of a body and soul. They are all created to the image and likeness of God, and they are all gifted with understanding and free will. They have been created for the same end, that is God. That is what our Maker how our maker, how our creator made us to be equal in all things concerning the soul and our existence, not equal in any other way. Men differ in many things, of course, um, but um, only the consequences, the Baltimore Catechism says, of good or evil done in this world will accompany men to the next, and so... um Uh, We've gone through who made the world, what does the world mean, who is God, what is man. Um, Again, man is a creature composed of body and soul, made to the image and likeness of God. Does man in the catechism mean all human beings? It does. Men, women, children, yes, it does. But man is a creature composed of body and soul and made to the image and likeness of God. And Next question, is this likeness in the body or in the soul? And it is chiefly in the soul. We are made in his image with the ability to to think, to reason, um, to love as God loves. And the question now we're up to today, how is the soul like to God? How is the soul like to God? You know, beloved... I, I, I do pray that many of you out there, even those who know their faith well, um, will join me somehow in benefiting from this because I've had so many emails of people who have never learned their faith, um, have not been taught, but they love God and they're Catholic people. Uh, and they 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 want to know their faith better. And this is the faith, wants to live it to the saints. This is the faith, whether you're Catholic or not, beloved. This is Christianity. What I'm going through here, the Baltimore Catechism. This is Christianity. How is the soul like to God? The soul is like to God because it is a spirit that will never die and has understanding and free will in that sense, beloved. It is a spirit, the soul, that will never die. It did not pre-exist, but it will never die. Once it comes into existence, it will um, live forever. And the soul comes into existence at the moment of creation, in its mother's womb. So the soul is like to God because it is a spirit, that will never die, and has understanding and free will. Now, next question. Is every invisible thing a spirit? Every spirit is invisible, which means it cannot be seen. But every invisible thing is not a spirit. For example, the wind is invisible, but it's not a spirit. Let me repeat that. The question is, is every invisible thing a spirit? The answer is actually no. Every spirit is invisible, which means it cannot be seen. But every invisible thing is not a spirit, such as the wind. Next question Has a spirit any other quality? A spirit is also indivisible. That is, it cannot be divided into parts, as we divide material things. We can cut a pie into part, w- parts. We can uh, build a chair out of parts, but the spirit cannot be divided. It is whole, no matter its size. It is whole. What do the words "will never die" mean? Aha! Uh-huh. By the words "will never die," we mean that the soul. When once created, will never cease to exist, whatever be its condition in the next world. Hence, we say the soul is immortal, or gifted with immortality. Once we exist, created by God, beloved, we will never cease to exist. We will spend eternity either with or without God. That is what heaven and hell is. Heaven is the presence of God. Hell is the absence of God. And we will spend eternity uh, either with or without God. But our soul will never die. We will live forever. Why then, next question, do we say that a soul is dead while in a state of mortal sin? Mortal means death. Why then do we say that a soul is dead while in a state of mortal sin? The answer is that we say a soul is dead while in a state of mortal sin, because in that state it is helpless, it, as, a, as helpless as a dead body, and can merit nothing for itself. If you see a dead corpse and you stick a pin in it, there's no response um, because that soul is dead, it it's, it's not it does not have life in it, and so the same with us. Apostle Paul says the things of God are foolishness to man because they're spiritually discerned. So when we are in mortal sin, our soul it has been killed. The grace of God, which is the life of our soul, has been removed from us. So while we feel and look like any human being, very much alive, we are dead to God we are dead to our eternal life and we can do nothing to please god even if we do so-called good things we can do nothing to please god jesus said apart from me you can do nothing so we say a soul is dead while in a state of mortal sin because in that state it is as helpless as a dead body and can merit nothing for itself you know, beloved, even if we know the answers to these, these are questions. These are succinct answers that, that help us to communicate, to know our faith and communicate it to others. There's the music, dear ones, for our first break. We'll be back right after the break. And at the, at the second break, we'll take your calls, your emails and your text. The toll free number to call in is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
2: The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle, and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the Internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year.
3: In the midst of them, the Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9 30 p.m. Eastern right here on the station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We're going to go a little bit more through the Baltimore Catechism, as God gives us time, and then we'll take your calls and your emails at the next, right after the next break. Um, so, again, uh, the last question is: Why then do we say a soul is dead while in a state of mortal sin? We say a soul is dead while in a state of mortal sin because in that state it is as helpless as a dead body and can merit nothing for itself. We may not feel that physically, beloved, but we are dead spiritually and can do nothing for God in that state at all. Absolutely nothing um, that merits anything for eternity we have separated ourselves from god in mortal sin and the only way to recover from that is uh, to go to a priest and uh, uh, and uh, have confession with the priest and uh, let him absolve you you cannot absolve yourself not for mortal sin that will take a priest to restore you to god why because it is god alone who forgives sins And he forgives sins through the priest. And if it's as serious as to have killed your soul, only God, through that priest, can restore your soul to himself. And so when the priest says, I absolve you, um, it is God saying, I absolve you through the instrumentality of that priest. What does our understanding mean? What does our understanding mean? Because we are given understanding. Um, uh, uh, our soul differs from the animals. Animals have souls, but the human soul differs from the animals in that they have understanding. And our understanding means the gift of reason, by which man is distinguished from all other animals, and by which he is enabled to think and thus acquire knowledge and regulate his actions. I'll repeat that. What does our understanding mean? Our understanding means the gift of reason by which man is distinguished from all other animals and by which he is enabled to think and thus acquire knowledge and regulate his actions. Next, can we learn all truths by our reason alone? Nope. (laughs) We cannot learn all truths by our reason alone, for some truths are beyond the power of our reason and must be taught to us by God. We can learn many things by reason alone, um, but we cannot learn all things. They must be taught to us by God. What comes to my mind immediately is that the scripture says the heavens and the earth declare um, uh the the beauty and the existence of God, design uh, shouts uh, that there's a designer. We know that. We know that because Romans chapter one says God has built within us um, the very knowledge of himself. So we know that there's a God. We don't know that um, uh, by reason alone that God sent his son. That we don't know. that is special revelation. Uh, as opposed to divine revelation that's infused in all of our souls. And so we cannot learn all truths by our reason alone. Some truths are beyond the power of our reason and must be taught to us by God. Next, what do we call the truths God teaches us? The answer is taken together. We call the truths God teaches us revelation. Revelation, these are truths that are revealed to us, the revealing, uh, the uncovering, the revelation. And we call the manner by which God teaches them also revelation. All right, so taken together, we call the truths of God, we call the truths God teaches us revelation, and we call the manner by which he teaches them also revelation. Next what is free will what is free will and the answer is this free will is that gift of god by which we are enabled to choose between one thing and another and to do good or evil in spite of reward or punishment okay now many uh, many out there uh, many, maybe among your families and friends, maybe even yourself, are addicted to certain things and say, I cannot break this habit. I cannot do this. I can't stop smoking. I cannot get off drugs or alcohol or or other uh, very difficult habits. But it is given to you by God. You do have free will. Uh, if we gave in to our baser nature, we're in trouble. But we do have the free will and the grace of God to to get us out of those um, uh, oh, uh, just awful things, awful habits. So free will is that gift of God by which we are enabled to choose between one thing and another. We can choose, beloved. We can choose. And to do good or evil in spite of reward or punishment. That's free will. And I'm going to extend this to the family and to married couples. You say, I want my wife to change. I want my husband to change. And and you can't do anything about it. You've tried, and your husband doesn't change, and your wife doesn't change. You've tried. What are you going to do? You exercise your free will. You can't exercise someone else's free will, but you can exercise your own. Well, what do you mean? That is, you can choose to love. You can choose to love the unlovable as God loves us. He doesn't love us because we're lovable. He loves us because he made us for himself, because he's a God of love. And if we are in Christ, we need to love that way. And I will promise you, whoever you are, that if you love unconditionally your spouse Whether they change or not, whether they get over their um, destructive habits or not, you will change them. Because it's only love that changes us. And if God will love that very difficult soul through you, that soul will change and your whole family will change. Next question. Have brute, B-R-U-T-E, have brute animals Understanding and free will? Nope. (laughs) Have brute animals understanding and free will? Brute animals have not understanding and free will. They have not understanding because they never change their habits or better their condition. They have not free will because they never show it in their actions. All right, so you can have a dog that you love. A horse, an animal that you love, and he obeys you, and he, uh, he, he knows what you're telling him to do, and he does it, or he's very sensitive, and he does it. That's very confusing to us, because he acts like a person almost in that. But it's, it's different. Um, the dog will always be who he is. Um, he doesn't change his habits. He doesn't better his condition. He has a soul, but it's not a human soul, and he does not have free will. He does not have free will. Um, Okay, that doesn't mean the dog doesn't make choices, but he does not have free will, and his choices are not necessarily made by his reason, Um, uh, not the reason that we human beings have. That's very difficult for many people to understand, including me, because I've had such animals and met such animals that, I tell you what, it's hard to believe a person's not in them. Um, Here's the next question. What gift in animals supplies the place of reason? What gift in animals supplies the place of reason? And the answer is, in animals, the gift of instinct supplies the place of reason in guiding their actions. That I can understand. That can answer my question. In animals, the gift of instinct supplies the place of reason in guiding their actions. What is instinct? Instinct is a gift by which all animals are impelled to follow the laws and habits that God has given to their nature. It's wonderful. Human beings have instincts, um, but for animals, instinct is a gift by which all animals are are impelled not reason not the reason given to human beings but the instinct is a gift by which all animals are impelled to follow the laws and habits that god has given to their nature next question have men as well as brutes instinct yes men have insti- instinct and they show it when placed in sudden danger when they have not time to use their reason a falling man in instantly grasps for something to support him. Instantly. That's instinct. Why did God make you? Aha. Why did God make you? Who knows the answer to that? Come on, Baltimore Catechism people. Not too many of you left, maybe. But you should know the answer to this with or without the Baltimore Catechism. Why did God make you? Why did God make you? God made me to know him, to love him, and to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in the next. Uh, There was a day when every single child knew the answer to that. They'd be taught it at home, if not in school. Why did God make you? God made me to know him, to love him. And to serve him. And you could say to your child, how are you going to know him? How can we know God? And you can point out what the scriptures say about all creation. And the fact that God has put the knowledge of himself in every heart. And how do we know him? By reading his love letter to us, the scriptures. By looking at the beauty and design of creation. He's made us to love him. And that is simply to return the love that he's given us and to serve him in this world. How do we serve him? By being faithful sons and daughters of God, by helping our neighbor, by doing good, by helping to build his kingdom in this world and to be happy with him forever in the next. And some people say, well, I'm not happy. Well, it's not the next world yet you're not home yet, to be happy with him, to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in the next. And beloved, if you know him, if you love him, if you serve him, you will be happy with him in this world. But not, not anywhere near the happiness we'll know in eternity. Okay, we're going to stop right there because there's the music for our half-hour break. We'll continue tomorrow. And tomorrow's opening question is, why is it necessary to know God? Why is it necessary? Not why is it a good idea. Why don't you become a Christian so you could know who God is? No, no, no. Why? This is for every single soul. Why is it necessary to know God? And we'll answer that tomorrow. God bless you, beloved. Call in with anything that's on your heart, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
4: having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the vatican did you know that LifeSight puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color our magazine faithful insight gives you all the most important coverage from rome and lets you read it away from the computer phone or tablet it summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials but provides full analysis on all the most important developments Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you.
0: weekday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern, the Station of the Cross brings you Mother Miriam Live. Mother Miriam is a Catholic nun on a mission to bring Jesus and a message of hope to a
1: world that has lost its way. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, and I am thrilled to welcome you to Mother Miriam Live. As always, you're going to be able to call, text, or email whatever your questions are. Through a partnership between the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News, you will be able to listen and watch mother miriam live on youtube and facebook at the station of the cross including past episodes on podcast god bless you listen on your local station of the cross
0: affiliate and our free iCatholic radio mobile app or watch the mother miriam live video stream on facebook and youtube by searching the station of the cross that's mother miriam live each weekday from 10 to 11 a.m eastern on the station of the cross
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you, and this is our half hour together, and call in with your questions, your emails, um, uh, texts. Uh, I, we know that I can't always answer every question, but we can at least refer you to those who could help you. Um, and I often refer uh, many callers to Catholic.com, Catholic Answers, the number one apologetics website uh, on the Internet and maybe in the world. Just outstanding. Um, we have an email from Eve, and I'm going to take that first. Hello, Mother Eve writes, I have a one and a half year old niece being loving parents. My sister and her husband, who is a Protestant, sadly do not pay focus on the spiritual importance in the life of their child or of their own. That's very, very sad. Mother, I myself too lack a lot of knowledge on the authentic teachings of the Catholic Church, and I am very anxious because she is my godchild, and I do not know much regarding my importance in her mainly spiritual life. Please help Okay, dear Eve, um, it's never too late. It's good that you have that question now. She's one and a half years old. It's, it's a perfect, perfect time. So uh, to begin with, the only one who is qualified to be a God parent uh, to a Catholic child is a faithful Catholic who is in a state of grace in union with the church and living her own faith. And so you can live your own faith and pray for that child uh, as of now for the rest of her life. And then through your relationship with that little baby, you might be able to bring your own sister uh, to a stronger faith and perhaps eventually her husband. Um, But your, um, let me see, uh, so... You don't know much about your own faith, well you're welcome to the club it's a, it's 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 a sadness, but it's the state of many Catholics today Eve so I would suggest that you have a Bible, a good Bible I recommend the um n r v the new revised version Catholic edition. It has to be Catholic edition, otherwise you'll miss um Uh, 7 plus books so the new, not the new cross out the word new, you don't want new you want the revised standard version, Catholic edition abbreviated RSV CE for Catholic edition you need to read that and a page a day, a paragraph a day read through a book, whatever you can do get a copy of the catechism begin to read through that and you'll begin to learn your faith and I would get uh I would get the child's Baltimore Catechism. Get the Baltimore Catechism of a child because then you can read it and you can learn it. And as your little godchild becomes three and four, you can begin to take her through it. And she'll be very proud of the answers that she knows. So I, that's my suggestion. Um, God will teach you and teach you to prepare her also and then when she's confirmed you should still be her sponsor the godparent should be the sponsor at confirmation as well so i i'm glad you're so um uh focused on that eve it's a wonderful thing and you have time so god bless you we have an email from david from kansas city he says dear mother miriam i'm a practicing catholic and live in a predominantly mexican american neighborhood The yards in our community, including mine, are filled with a variety of Catholic statues of saints and the Blessed Mother. Well, so far, David, that's music to me. That is so great. He continues. While doing other research, I came across the subject of a mezuzah. Um, After some study on the mezuzah, I purchased one which included a kosher scroll. Having God's words on my doorpost seemed like a very spiritual way of acknowledging his presence. Some time later, I again searched the Internet and learned that some Jewish people consider the use of a mezuzah by a non-Jew very offensive since the commandment was given to the Jews and it's a privilege that does not belong to non-Jews. All right, you have... Uh, um you, you go on here. Uh, let me let me finish your email. I am single and live long. I do not know any Jewish people and therefore none would be offended. The friends and family that visit would not even know what a mezuzah is. Should I return the mezuzah? Thank you for your time and God bless. Absolutely not, David. Absolutely not. The Ten Commandments, um, the commandments were given to the Jewish people. Um and the scriptures say that the commandments are the word of god written on our heart now written subsequently written in stone which our lord did when moses went up on the mountain and god took his finger and wrote the commandments in stone if you look at exodus 20 chapter 20 you're going to find a minimum of 14 commandments and what the uh, the jewish people have everyone, the Jewish people, the Protestants, and the Catholic have reduced them to ten. Um, and they have a different uh, a combination of them. In fact, the first commandment of the Jewish people is not a commandment, it's a statement. It's simply, I am the Lord your God. That's it. It's not a commandment, it's a statement. And everything follows from there. I, I, it's wonderful. But um, what a mezuzah is, um, it's not the law of God. It's not the commandments. The mezuzah is, um, Deuteronomy chapter six. It begins with the, mesh, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. Um, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your might. And it, it goes on to, um, uh, where the law, or uh, read Deuteronomy 6, I don't have the whole thing memorized, but um, to teach these words to your children and all of that. And the law of God does refer to the Ten Commandments, but it refers to uh, a lot more as well. And the Apostle Paul lets us know in the New Testament that the commandments written on stone are simply the, uh, not so simply, the um the summary of the commandments that god has written on our heart apostle paul in romans chapter two says that those with who keep the law of their of god on their heart who do not have the law on stone those non-jewish people who do not have not been given the ten commandments on mount sinai yet have the law of god in their heart which is the Ten Commandments is only the law of God in our heart written out. And so um, if those without the law, Romans 2.15, keep the law, they will do better than those who have the law and don't keep it. And so the mezuzah, again, is Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 4. You can read it, um, and it's normally in Hebrew. And it's a, it's a bit of a Torah scroll, um, and it's, you say a kosher scroll, <laughs> it's, it's simply a Torah scroll that is blessed, and um, yes, you can keep it on your door. And the Jewish people who think you cannot, do not know that God gave them the law and formed them as a people in order to bring the Messiah to the whole world, and the entire scripture... Is ours given to us by the God through the prophets, but it is our scriptures, and there's nothing wrong with your having a mezuzah absolutely not. And if a Jew sees it, in fact, when I came into the church, David, I went to the chapel of the church I was in, and there was a mezuzah on the door of the church chapel. I was ecstatic. I said to the priest, What's that mezuzah doing there? He said, Why, it's ours, and it is ours, it is ours. There's only one God. We are the people um, formed uh, uh, on the root of Israel to bring the gospel to the whole world. Of course, you can have a mezuzah David. And if Jewish people are offended by it, explain to them that they don't know who they are, that they do not know that God chose them and formed them as a people to bring the Messiah into the world and to... Uh, spread the law of God but the Messiah of God who is God himself to every tribe and tongue and nation so you keep that and not to worry about it not to worry about it in fact I wouldn't mind if every Catholic had a mezuzah a mezuzah beloved if if you haven't seen it we have it here it's just a, a case about that big and it's, it's, it's round and um, inside uh, it has the um, Uh, It's a Torah scroll. It has a part of the Torah, the law of God, um, again from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and uh, usually it is nailed on a bit of an angle, a nail on the top, a nail on the bottom, outside the home, uh, on the frame of a Jewish home outside the front door that's the norm so that people when they go out they bless themselves and when they come back they bless themselves most jewish people don't follow through on all that they just nail up a mezuzah it's it's similar to our blessing ourselves when we come in and out with holy water We have an email from Anna Louise who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I'm so grateful for your motherly words of wisdom in these times. Thank you, Anna Louise. She says, There is much I would like to thank you for, but I will keep it brief. We belong to an FSSP parish. That is the Fraternity of the Society of St. Peter. Just for those who don't know, we belong to an FSSP parish, but are sometimes unable to get a seat due to current restrictions. There is a large SSPX center nearby where it is easy to get a seat. That's unusual. A center, not a church. An SSPX center, I've never heard of that, where it is easy to get a seat. So we have been there twice when we knew we would not be able to get a seat at our FSSP parish. My question is this, it is, is it a sin mortal or otherwise to go to an sspx church and receive communion do i need to bring this to confession i have listened to various podcasts taylor marshall patrick coffin are oh, you are listening to good people anna louise um about the state of the sspx but have come away even more confused join the club i value your knowledge and guidance immensely, so I hope you can help me with this. May God bless you and keep you. Thank you, Anna Louise. You have not sinned, um, and you do not need to go to confession. Um, the church allows us to go to the SSF, SSPX, the Society of Saint Pius the Tenth. Uh, they are officially uh we, we learn from Cardinal Burke and others there are there's a disagreement about this, but uh they are still believed to be in schism and so but their sacraments are valid. And so um if you cannot get to an FSSP, you can go to an SSPX. Yes, you can. Um, don't make it your habit, though. I go, we go here, our community, to an FSSP church as well. And the pastor is beautiful. He has a sign-up sheet. We used to have two morning masses. And because of the coronavirus and the spaced seating that's required, he now has four masses, one priest, one priest four masses on a sunday seven nine eleven and twelve thirty it just that priest gives his life for every soul in that church he is absolutely magnificent and he has us through the internet sign up for for which mass we are we could come to so if one mass is sold out so to speak um is taken then you could then you have three other masses to choose from and it's it's it hasn't been the case that anybody cannot get to church you might suggest that to your fssp pastor but if you can if you can sign up that's great but if you cannot get to it, you are fine with the SSPX Church. But don't fail to try to get into the to the FSSP. And if you need to go to the Society of Saint Pius X to receive Holy Communion, you may. No confession needed. Okay, there's the music for our break, beloved, and you'll still have an opportunity to call in if you wish with anything on your heart. One eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We've got 10 minutes, our lines are wide open, and you're welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. We have an email from Karen who writes, Hello Mother, how do I respond to family and friends when they tell me that they think being a good person, by their estimation, And talking to God is enough. They do not attend Mass and therefore do not participate in the sacraments. They think that I'm a fanatic for trying hard to follow what the church teaches. I would greatly appreciate any advice you could give. Thank you and God bless you. Well, first of all, Carol, God bless you for trying so hard to follow what the church teaches because obviously... If they're calling you a fanatic, you've made a good impression on them that you respect God and, and you are not a hypocrite. You believe what you say you believe. <clears throat> um, if your family and friends tell you that they think being a good person by their estimation and talking to God is enough, I would ask them, it's enough for what? I would ask them that. Let them explain that. It's enough for what? if they say it's enough to be saved, I'd say, saved from what? Uh, you know, let them say it. Let them say it. I, I don't think they're gonna say hell and sin and Satan. I don't think they, uh, saved from what? They may say from hell. And I would say, why do you think you need to be saved from hell? Why would you need to be saved from hell? Why does anybody need to be saved from hell? And so forth. Um, And why do you want to get to heaven? What's the point? See, put the responsibility on them. If you need to be saved from hell, then apparently you deserve hell. You know, well, you all do. And if you deserve hell, why? Well, because we've all sinned against God, but I'm basically a good person. Well, that's good that you're a good person. Uh, God made you to be a good person. But why do you, if you're a good person, what is it enough for to be saved from hell. Why do you need to be saved from hell if you're a good person? Well, because of sin. Oh, so you're a good person, but you have sin. Well, everybody sins. You're very right. Everybody sins. Um, but there will be no sin in heaven. There will be no sin in heaven. And you were a good person while you sinned. You made mistakes. You sinned. but did that stop you from being who you are no not really so why all of a sudden can you not because of sin get into heaven there's a proverb that says there is a way that seems right to a man but the end is the way of death and god says that one sin is enough to separate us from him for all eternity and that means hell we come into the world separated from god and if we leave the world that way, we will be separated from him for all eternity. And your friends may say, well, my, my, our mom baptized us. Well, that's really good. That means you're a child of God. And if you don't follow him and you don't repent and do what he says, you will be a child of God in hell. This is true, beloved. Many people don't understand this. Baptism is no ticket to heaven. It, it Baptism is... The, Just an incredible gift that God gives us to remove the stain of original sin that we are born with. And he pours into us in that baptism his very life. That's what grace is, the life of God. We become a child of God. But that's going to die if we don't follow God, if we don't receive the sacraments, the food of life, if we don't live the life he has called us to. Baptism is a vocation. It's a calling. And if we turn from it, um, there's no more salvation from us outside of a true, a sincere repentance. So, um, see, And now it's hard with family and friends, but um, when they say that to you another time, say, by the way, where did you ever learn that, that being a good person and talking to God is enough? How do you know God hears you? Where Where did you find that? Well, that's what I think. Well, what if you what is what if you think is wrong? You know, what if you get up in the middle of the night and you have a headache and you go to the medicine cabinet and you you in the dark take a bottle that you're pretty sure is aspirin, but it happens to be strychnine poison pills. You were very sincere in your thinking, but you're sincerely wrong, and you will die. Um, uh, we're no match for God. We're no match for God. And if you're going to Hang or your eternity, so to speak. On what you think, you're finite, you are the created being, you're not the creator. Um, on what you think and chance, you're not even taking a chance, you're aiming for hell. Uh, you're in very, very bad shape. very, very bad shape. So uh, just a uh, question. Uh, let just question things without no, no sarcasm, no uh, haughtiness. Just say, you know, you've been telling me this for so long. Where do you get this from? How do you know that? Well, I'm a good person. I know that. Well, how do you know you're a good person? And do you know that there are going to be a lot of good people in hell? There are. There are children of God in hell. So just do what you can that way. Um, in a way that won't so much turn them off but will engage them so and then you can also look at the scriptures uh proverbs that says there's a way that seems right to to a man but the end is the way of death um that there is none good not even one um we are all worthy of death um Uh, Oh, I can't even think. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us, every one of us deserve hell and not one of us deserve heaven. That is a gift, but it's a gift that has to be received. And It has to be received in a certain way, and that is by being a part of God's one holy Catholic and apostolic church, going to a priest, making a good confession, receiving the sacraments, and being faithful. If you miss church on Sunday, you are in mortal sin. You've cut your soul off from God. Very serious. We have a text uh, from somebody who writes it anonymously and says, Mother, my priest said we're not allowed to make reservations if we do not wear a mask. Oh, help. I don't know how to handle this. I'm thinking of just not going to mass until this is over. That may be a long time. He also said if we are not registered in the church and using our donation envelopes, he will take us off as registered and won't we won't be able to make mass reservations please advise on this thanks this is so heartbreaking is not even the word it is sickening i don't even imagine that priest has the faith anymore or that he cares anything about souls this is as awful as it gets absolutely awful he should not be a priest uh it's absolutely awful I would say, dear one, don't stop going to Mass. You are still required to go to Sunday Mass. There's no such thing as being dispensed, even if it comes from a bishop or a priest. As Cardinal Burke said, it's a divine law, and we are not dispensed. We can go to confession, and for a good reason, but we're not dispensed. So do go, but I would do everything I could in your shoes to go to another parish, even if I have to drive an hour or more. I would never return to that parish if it was at all possible. That's truly, truly awful. So um, there's nothing you can tell a priest like that to to make him see otherwise. He does not have uh, the heart of a shepherd. He is not, for souls, he's running a business. And he's using power that he doesn't have. So I'm so sorry for that. See if you could find another parish, no matter what it is. Find a Latin parish, find a Novus Ordo, but find another parish. Beloved, there's our closing music for today. We'll be with you tomorrow. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. God bless you. We'll speak to you tomorrow.